I invite you to turn with me in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1 and begin the sermon series, as I mentioned, that we will be talking and sharing of the people of the Nativity, the Christmas individuals that God used and worked through in a mighty way, and in the prayer that it will enrich our celebration of the Christmas season. I begin in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38 is our text today. And the title of the message is Mary, the mother of Jesus. I wish I had time to tell you how many rabbit trails I have run this week in locking in on as the word that is finally embraced my heart. And it has been a fascinating journey because I think that sometimes we, we read things, we read over them, we think we know all about it. And I know that through all of these years of preaching that I have you know, thought a lot about Mary, have sought to understand Mary, but uh, God just, just made her more precious to me this week uh, as I have keyed in on her, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Let's pray again. Almighty God, how wonderful this time of worship and how wonderful the days of worship are before us. And as we think about reliving, rethinking, studying and applying the great, great gift of yourself to us, and not only in sermon, but in song, in friendship, in fellowship, we just pray for a great memorable time of the celebration of your birth. And I pray for this word now that it will touch our hearts and that it will do the work that you have for it to do in every heart. Forgive us of our sins in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Many, many years ago when I was in first level of grad school, some of us it takes more levels than one, but in the first level of grad, of grad school, I had the wonderful opportunity of studying the book of Genesis under Dr. Clyde Francisco, just incredible scholar and preacher of the gospel. He was preaching somewhere every week. And he was one of those that actually passed away in the pulpit in Helen, Georgia uh, at an advanced age. He was just an incredible voice for God. And in studying the book of Genesis, he was the first that I ever heard in studying about Abraham and God speaking to Abraham and telling Abraham, I'm going to show you a land. I'm going to make of you a great people. And he raised the question, why Abraham? Why Abraham? Well, I have toyed with that question all of these years and I have asked down through the years, as we come to this today, why Mary? You know, why Mary to be the mother of the Son of God? Why Mary? Well, I can tell you that early in the week, uh, I was absolutely on the wrong page and in the wrong thought process. But the Lord straightened me out. And so I want us to look at these stages in the life of Mary and how God used her and there is a takeaway under each of these points as to how 
God can use us like He used Mary. The first thing is to read the verses, and I will number the points. There are four points, and they'll be very clear if you take notes. And that is, number one, God believed in Mary. He believed in her. Beginning with verse 26, now in the sixth month, and this sixth month is in reference to the miracle of, that Zechariah and Elizabeth are experiencing. Elizabeth, barren, now is being blessed to bring forth John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin and the forerunner to prepare the way for Christ. And so it's the sixth month of that expectation. And the angel Gabriel then was sent by God. He had been sent to Zacharias, who was a priest in the temple, and given that promise, you are going to have a son. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Early in the week, I began with the thought process that it was Mary because she was pleasing to God. God has found favor in you. The favor of God is upon you. And I was going to emphasize that during the Christmas celebration, let us in our heart commit ourselves to be those who are pleasing to God. Not a bad thought. It is a good thought. But the more I studied and prayed, that is not what is happening here. And that is that Mary has been chosen to bring into this world the Son of God, Jesus Christ, because God believed in Mary and it was, she was an improbable choice. Very young, very poor community. We know absolutely nothing about her background. She identifies herself toward the end of this paragraph as a handmaiden, a maidservant. We don't know if she was a servant girl, but the improbability of it all is that God believed in Mary. And here's where studying those who study more than I do and understand more than I do, that favor here is not that Mary was pleasing to God. Favor here means that God bestowed grace on Mary. Think about that. What is our definition of grace? The best definition that I know of is that unmerited favor of God. God believed in Mary that there was what it took, who it took to bring his son into the world. Now, I love to read Michael Card's commentary on the Gospels because it gives a much more different flavor of the 
academic scholar that will have more foreign language letters and words in the commentary that you understand. Michael Card, a musician, uh, a performing artist, and his commentaries on the Gospels is very poetic and very beautiful. And he raises the comment here that we have no indication that Mary was a perfect person. We don't know anything bad about her, and I don't believe there is. We are not have any awareness that she was chosen because of that she was worthy of this. And in fact, in the Magnificat, Mary's song over in verses 46 through 49, when she is rejoicing in the choice that God has made, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Now this is what touched my heart. The grace of God, and there's going to be a takeaway under each of these points. And that is the grace of God. It is by grace God chose Mary, not of any merit of herself, an improbable choice. But Michael Card said this, Mary may not have been perfect, which we have no idea, but she was the perfect mother for Jesus. I thought, praise God. That just touched my heart. She, whatever was there, became the perfect mother for Jesus. Every woman of that day wanted to give birth to the Messiah. Everyone, just like in the days of the Egyptian bondage, every woman wanted to give birth to the one that would lead them out of the bondage in Egypt. And every boy child that was born, they would raise the question, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? They have been looking here, in Mary's case, for the Messiah for a thousand years. Ever since the prophecies of Isaiah, 800 years before that, ever since the promise in Genesis chapter 3, that one day there is going to be born of a woman, one who will crush the head of Satan. And they've been looking for him, and every mother wanted to give birth to the Messiah. But God in his choosing, God in his wisdom, God believed in Mary, unmerited favor, an improbable candidate, an unknown from the backwaters of Israel to bring God himself into the world. So I will be giving the background of Mary, but here is the takeaway. What can we take away from this? That God believed in Mary. And that is, I think we need to be reminded that we have found favor with God. None of us are perfect. We are not worthy. We're not bad people. But we are not deserving of what God has done for us. And we are enjoying the unmerited favor of God. He believes in us. God believes in you. 
That is something that we ought to write a song and sing about. Almighty God believes in me. God loves me. God came for me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, and I've got my John 3, 16 tie on today to celebrate Jesus coming into the world, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. God sees something in us that we do not see in ourselves. I think about, and I won't quote names, I've told it before, of a judge that a young man was brought before his bench for a sentencing and a judgment. The young man had gotten in trouble and the judge knew the young man and leaned over the bench and said to him, said, son, I was there when you were born. Your parents and I have been friends for years. I saw you grow up and he said to the young man, you're better than this. You're better than this. I think about Cain in Genesis chapter 4 who was so jealous of Abel and let that jealousy come to the point where he took his brother's life. But God came to Cain and said to Cain, why are you so angry? If you do well, it will be well with you. And in essence, God was saying to Cain, Cain, I believe in you. You are better than this. You are better than this. And if you will do, do well, it will be well with you. You are better than this. I love to tell the story of the artist, and I don't know any better title to use than the artist in the bum. And this lady was an artist, and she got up one morning and she thought, I'm going to paint something today. She set up her canvas on an easel in a bay window overlooking the street, waiting for the inspiration of what to paint. And here come, came a poor fellow staggering down the street, obviously homeless, obviously not experienced the best of life, hair all unkept, clothes dirty, ragged, and he just collapsed and leaned back on a light post. And she said, there's my inspiration. And she painted him. It didn't take her long because she was seized by that muse of art. When she was finished, she took the paint, painting, she went out there and she told the fellow, she said, I painted you while you were sitting here. I want to show it to you. And she showed him the painting and he looked at it in absolute confusion. And he said, that's not me. She had painted him as a man well-kept, a man well-groomed, a man with a look of determination in his eye. He said, that's not me. And she said, that's the way I see you. That's the way I see you. And he straightened himself up, straightened his clothes, and said, if that's the way you see me, that's the way I'm going to be. God saw something in Mary, amen? God saw something in Mary. He believed in her. It absolutely was the unmerited grace of God. God sees and believes in every one of us. And one of my quotes 
of the life of Michelangelo, the great sculptor, the great painter, the Sistine Chapel and all of that. And somebody said to him one day, said, how do you get inspired when you are sculpturing, when you are carving? And he said, because every stone I see, every block of marble I see, I know there's an angel inside wanting to get out. That's the takeaway. Mary, improbable. Favor of God. Boy, y'all going to use this at lunch. There's an angel in every one of you that's wanting to get out. Amen. There's an angel in every one of you. God believed in Mary. The second point, number two, then, is Mary believed God. She was an improbable candidate, and I say that out of respect for God because God graced her, and the world has been graced because of her, just like the world has been graced because of Abraham's obedience. Mary believed God, and she believed Him for the impossible. And so verses 31 through 38, just to scan them, he begins to tell her, you're going to have a son. His name will be called Jesus. He will be great. He'll be the, called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said, how in the world is this possible? I'm engaged, but I'm not even married. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit is going to accomplish this. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to place within you he who is to be born and called the Son of God. And here's what Mary said in verse 38. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be according to your word. Mary believed God. And the angel said, with God, nothing will be impossible. Mary was improbable. Mary believed the impossible. Mary was the first Christmas miracle. Amen? A Christmas miracle happened there. What Mary was saying literally in verse 38 when she says, the, the maidservant, I'm the maidservant of the Lord. Have your way with me. Let it be according to your word. Mary was saying that I am the Lord's slave. And she surrendered herself. She surrendered herself. She believed the impossible. She surrendered herself. She didn't look back, but she didn't know it all either. We have no indication at that point that Mary knew she was going to be due and deliver in Bethlehem a grueling 70-mile journey south in the last days of her pregnancy. She did not know that at the age of about two, they would have to flee to Egypt to save the life of the baby Jesus 
from Herod. She did not know that she would be living on the run because when God came to Joseph and said, Herod's dead, you can go back home. They began to go back home. Joseph was going to go through Judea, but Herod's son was now the king and he feared for the baby's life for Herod's son, went around the long way and went back to Nazareth and settled in. Mary did not anticipate the growing pains of a child. And listen, Jesus had growing pains. He had those growing pains, those developmental stages. At this point, I know she did not foresee the public ministry that Jesus would launch. She did not see the horrible rejection that was going to come his way. Even in his hometown, even by his own family, she did not foresee the cross. She did not foresee the resurrection. But Mary believed the impossible. Here is the takeaway. What in your life have you written off as impossible? Are you facing a challenge, facing a burden, struggling with something, and in your mind, it's an impossibility. Will you believe God? Because, as the angel said, all things are possible. All things are possible with God. I love this, and I share it so often, which is why I have it actually copied out of the book. And it's a quote from Lewis Carroll's Through the Looking Glass. And Alice, Alice of Wonderland, and the queen are having a conversation. And the queen is challenging Alice on believing. And Alice says, I can't believe that. I just can't believe it. Can't you? The queen said in a pitying tone, try again. Draw a long breath. Shut your eyes. Alice laughed, there's no use trying, she said. One can't believe impossible things. Oh, oh, yes you can. The queen said, I dare say you haven't had much practice. Why, when I was your age, I always did it for half an hour a day. Why, sometimes I believed as many six impossible things before breakfast. Will you believe impossible things what is it in your life that it's just impossible? But with God, all things are possible. And Mary believed God, and she never looked back. And I like the story, and I can see it from my days in Louisville, Kentucky, and across the Ohio River, Indiana. Pastored a little church in Canelton, Indiana, that was sit up in, sitting up into a rocky hillside, and the story comes from a small community there in Indiana celebrating Abraham Lincoln. And they brought in a famous sculptor, a huge boulder had rolled down from the hillside, and they asked him to make something here for the middle of the town as a tribute to Abraham Lincoln. And he said, under one condition, I will curtain it off and you will not see it until I'm through. So he worked in there for a long time. 
Then came the day that the town gathered around and they dropped the curtain and there was this incredible statue of Abraham Lincoln and a little boy said, I didn't know Mr. Lincoln was in that rock. You don't know who you are until you believe God for the impossible. There is somebody in you that God wants to get out. There was somebody in Mary that God knew would come out. And the third point, this has gone a lot faster than I thought it would. This touches my heart. Not only did God believe in Mary and Mary believed God, Mary then mothered Jesus. We just need to go back sometimes to Jesus as a baby and a little boy. And he had a mother. And he had a father, and I will talk about him next week. And so we see a lot of this in Luke chapter 2. And I simply give a little list of things here. Mary actually gave birth. Jesus was born of a woman. Regardless of what the woke culture says, it would have been impossible for Joseph to bear Jesus. Amen. She and Joseph, they parented Jesus. And these are the roles of parents. They protected him and they prepared him for life. I love this that God touched my heart with. They had been told, Joseph and Mary, who he was, what he would become. But they waited on the Lord. And I've told you before, one of my favorite phrases is like when the shepherds came and worshipped the Christ child. It says that Mary kept these things in her heart. In the temple, when Simeon and Anna came and prophesied of the future of the Christ child, it says that Mary and Joseph were amazed and they marveled at what was being said. At the age of 12 in the temple where Jesus is missing for three days because he is discussing the scriptures with the scholars. And when Mary and Joseph found him, they were not happy. Mary actually said, why have you done this to us? Can't you see how anxious your father and I are? And that's when he said, must I not be about my father's business? He is coming into that divine destiny. And it says that Mary kept that in her heart. She did not try to influence Jesus. To the best of our knowledge, she did not say to him as he was growing up, you know you're my little God child. You know you're God. Come on, parents. Sometimes you treat them like they're God. Amen? Amen. I'm glad I'm out of that stage, you know. Amen. Worship to my children. Worship my grandchildren. And I think about, and I won't tell the whole story, but when God called me to preach, and that afternoon my parents told me that when they were expecting me, that they prayed that God would give them a son who was a preacher, never said a word to me. And I am so glad. 
Because if I'd have heard for 16 years, you're our little preacher boy, you know? You're our little preacher boy. I guarantee you, I would have never been the preacher. It would have not, you know, you're our little preacher boy. You're going to be our little preacher boy. And one day God said, you're going to be my little preacher boy. You're going to be my little preacher boy. And so they parented Jesus. And I love the verses 51 and 52 of chapter 2 where they go back to Jerusalem. And this is one of my favorite passages again. And it says that when they went back, Jesus was subject to them. He was respectful of his parents. And they nurtured him and they taught him wisdom. And they saw to his physical well-being. He increased in stature. They saw to his spiritual well-being. He increased in favor with God. Let me tell you, Jesus was raised in the church of the day. They had that boy in synagogue school on the Sabbath. And as an adult, when Jesus went back to Nazareth one day, went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, they looked to him to read the scriptures. He picked up a scroll. He turned it to Isaiah. He knew where it was and began to say those words, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. He knew he was nurtured spiritually and they nurtured him in personal relationships and love and respect for people. It says that he grew in favor also with men. They mothered Jesus. Mary mothered him. Here's the takeaway. You parent your child, nobody else. You Protect your child, nobody else. You prepare your child for the adult life to come and nobody else. Because if we do not fill that role, the world will. And they will indoctrinate your child and will contaminate your child. So what do we learn from Mary? God believed in her. She believed God. And she mothered, she mothered Jesus. Isn't that sweet? She mothered him. And then I know, I think our time is gone. But point number four, which is just one little line here. But when the time was right, Mary released Jesus to his divine destiny. There comes a point when you have to release that you don't have to be far away. Gee, Mary was close in the crowd. Wherever Jesus was, wherever he preached, she was there. God bless her. She was there at the foot of the cross when he died. Read Acts chapter 1. She was in the upper room the day that the Holy Spirit fell upon the church. But there came a point where Mary had to take a step back, but she was always still there for her son. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Here's the takeaways. God believes in you. 
Will you believe the impossible? Will you believe the impossible? And step up to the plate, whatever God has called you to do. Because God believes in you. We stand.